Hello, everyone. I'm uh, so glad to be with you tonight. I was asked to talk about the silence of God because so often we hear a lot of people in face of problems or catastrophe or uh, shocks asking this question, where are you, God? So in, um, in front of uh, difficulties, hardships, troubles, crises, in front of uh, the death of a beloved one, we uh, often look at the, at the sky and ask this uh, question, where are you, God? And as, uh, as uh, Rassan mentioned, in the world there is a lot of uh, evils, or what we call evils. There is uh, wars, famine, uh, hunger, pandemics, earthquakes, uh, oppressions, all type of things that are going against the will of God, as we see. And, um, you know, for the atheists, our brother, the atheists, they are always uh, saying that if your God exists, why he is not doing anything to all this evil that is happening in the world? Why he cannot stop the wars? Why he cannot find a solution to the famine, to the people who are uh, starving? Why he cannot heal all who are sick? So since he is not responding, this means that he is not here, that uh, your God doesn't exist. Albert Camus, one of the atheist philosophers, philosophers he said once that if uh, God exists and he's accepting all this evil that is happening in the world, then he's not good. And if he's good, if he's good and uh, is not accepting all the evil in this world. That means that he is uh, uncredible, so he is not God. So this is a deep question that we ask sometimes when we are in difficult times. We feel that sometimes we pray a lot. We insist in prayers. We insist in asking God for help, for any assistance to help us resolve some of our uh, problems, to heal our wounds, to heal our sickness, to interfere in our lives. And uh, we don't receive any answer. We ask for, for a sign. We ask for a whisper. We ask for any sign of life from his side. And we feel that he's not responding. Nothing. So I will go to C.S. Lewis to start by. C.S. Lewis once said that God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience, shouts in our pains. It is the megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So God, when we are happy, he is whispering to us. Usually he is speaking to us in our conscience. And when we are in pain, the voice of God is loud. We can hear him loudly. This is the mystery of pain. So what we will be talking tonight, it's about this silence of God. When God is shouting very loudly in our pains. So for this, let me first talk about the word of God. 
You know, and we all know that the word of God is super powerful. The whole universe was created by the word of God. You know, during the creation, as it is in uh, the Genesis, God, with a word, he created the universe. He said, let there be light, and there was light. Let there be stars and planets, and there was stars and planets. Let there be life, and there was life. Let's create the, the man, and he created the man. It's by just only saying a word. So the, the word of God is super powerful. He can create. He can move things. He can change. And uh, the word of Jesus, since Jesus is the son of God, is the God incarnated, we can see that he is very powerful. He can calm the storm with a word. So he stood up in the boat and said, shut up, and uh, the storm was calmed. He rose up uh, Lazarus from death with, with, uh, with only one word. Lazarus, come out, and Lazarus came out from, from the grave. With one word, he can say, I want you to be healed, be healed, and uh, the leper was healed. So the word of God is, is extremely powerful. He is God. The word of Jesus is super powerful. He is God. So why he, why he is not saying his words so often in our lives and the world to change things, to move things, to resolve things that they are hurting us, to save us from our troubles, our difficulties, our problems? Why is not interfering? Why is almost silent? We don't hear him. So let's tackle the this issue now. Let's go to St. Paul in his letter to the Romans, Rome 8, 28. The famous uh, verse which said that, and we know that all things work together for good for those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So this is a very powerful verse that uh, give a lot of hope, but that it's so uh, ununderstandable when we are in a really a deep crisis or in a calamity or when we are hurt. So St. Paul is saying that all things work together for the good, for the people who, who love God. So we can understand that everything around us is working together for the good. So uh, there should not be any, any evil, any harm. Everything should turn to the good of, uh, for the people who love God. Is this true? If we lose, if we lose somebody who is uh, one of our beloved ones, was close to us, in front of uh, death, in front of uh, sickness, in front of um, big troubles. Can we say that everything now is turning or is working for our good? Can we say this sentence or this verse to a mother who lost her child, to a father who lost his, uh, his, uh, his daughter, 
to one who got uh, severe cancer and is dying, can I tell him that, okay, everything is uh, working for your good? So what uh, St. Paul is meaning by saying what, what, what he said? And then another thing that I would like to say tonight, and then we'll uh, meditate on it and we'll talk about it, which is um, from my some experiences. And uh, it's hard to say it, but uh, this is the main idea of our uh, talk tonight. So the sentence says that we will be grateful one day when we look back to the darkest times of our lives, to the darkest periods where we, uh, where we passed through, we'll be very grateful because there we will see that the hand of God was the closest to us. So maybe it's a, it's a crazy quote, it's a crazy idea. But I would like to invite you to ponder on it, to think about it, and just to make this short exercise. When we look back to the darkest hours of our lives, the darkest times that we've passed through, we'll be so grateful because we can see clearly that the hand of God was the closest to us during these difficult times. So now after I finish the talk, and uh, you go uh, on your own, just please uh, think about that and do this exercise. Review your life, review your, the darkest times of your life, and just try to figure out how the hand of God was the closest to you during these difficult times. Maybe then we can understand or start to understand what does it mean, the silence of God. During these difficult times, where we felt that God is silent, that he is not responding, he's not answering, we can see clearly that his hand was then the closest to us. So let me go to the, to the Bible and have some examples of the silence of God just to get uh, a reliable reference to learn from the experiences of the, of the people of the Bible, how they dealt with the silence of God. Let us start with the Annunciation of, uh, for our uh, mother Mary. You know, the angel Gabriel came to Mary and uh, he brought her the, the beautiful Annunciation that she will be the mother of God. And then he left her. So he announced what he had to say coming from God. And then he left. He didn't stay with her. He left her on her own. She was so young, with a huge responsibility, with uh, tremendous news that she will be in the heart of the plan of God. And then, after he announced for her this beautiful news, he left and left her on her own. And then 
He was silent, total silent, during all her life, even to the cross. God then didn't interfere in the life of Mary to tell her what she had to do in, her, uh, in the details of her life. In the life of Mary, who is the most beautiful creature of God, the most important creature of God, the most glorious creature of God. God was silent during all her life. He didn't talk to her. He didn't interfere in her life. He was totally silent. If we go to uh, St. John the Baptist in Matthew 11, St. John the Baptist was announcing the coming of Jesus, the coming of uh, the kingdom of God. And he was saying bluntly, directly, strictly, with a lot of confidence, behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. He was very sure of what he's saying. Behold, the Lamb of God. And he was uh, pointing to Jesus, telling all the people around him that he is the one. And then we see that John the Baptist in his jail, prison, he started doubting. So he sent two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him if he is the one who are waiting for or they have to expect uh, someone else. So John the Baptist in his jail was like uh, shocked because he found himself in the jail because of a very stupid thing that happened to him with the Herodia and with the Herods. He found himself in the jail, Jesus preaching. He was saying to himself, maybe I should be with him now. I should be with Jesus, preaching the kingdom of God, working with him, baptizing with him. Why am I here in the jail? And of course, he was praying. He was asking God. He, was, he had a lot of questions. What am I doing here? Why am I here? Because of this stupid thing, of this dance. That's why maybe he doubted and sent his disciples to ask Jesus if he's the Messiah, if he's the one they are waiting for or they have to expect someone else. And Jesus replied, okay, go and tell John that uh, the blind uh, see, the deaf uh, hear, the lame uh, walk, and uh, the dead are uh, uh, raising. And blessed is the one who doesn't stumble for my sake. For John the Baptist, God was silent. He was not answering him. He was not uh, replying to his questions. And then maybe John the Baptist understood the silence of God when his mission was successfully accomplished. He prepared the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. He accomplished, it, accomplished his mission. And uh, even though he was in the jail, suffering, asking questions, he was uh, perfectly achieving the mission he was created for. So this is one of the examples of the silence of God with John the Baptist. Let's go to another example of... Uh, 
Mary and Martha, the sisters of uh, Lazarus. Lazarus was sick, and they sent someone to inform Jesus that the man that Jesus loves is sick, and Lazarus was dying. So he was uh, had fever, he was sweating, he was uh, close to death. And then they sent someone to Jesus to inform him that he is dying. And Jesus knew that Lazarus needs him. And uh, Mary and Martha were pretty sure that Jesus will come and will heal, will heal him. Because they trusted Jesus, they have a total confidence in him that if Jesus will come, he will heal Lazarus and he will live. Jesus didn't come. He was not very far. He was close in the Transjordan. And uh, he stayed there. And during that time, Mary and Martha were uh, waiting on fire for Jesus to come and heal Lazarus who, were dying, who was dying. And Jesus didn't come. This period was for Martha and Mary a period of uh, silence of God. God was silent. He didn't answer their requests. He didn't answer their prayers. He didn't come. He was close. He didn't come. And after a few days, Jesus uh, came to Bethania where they were living and uh, Lazarus was dead and buried. He was uh, in the grave, in the tomb. And of course, Mary and Martha, they uh, came to Jesus and said to him, if uh, you had been here, Lazarus uh, would have not died. They were not doubting the power of Jesus, of course. But maybe they were like asking themselves or asking Jesus indirectly, why you were silent. Why didn't you come to, to heal Lazarus instead of uh, letting him die? So Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. How he was acting to glorify God. It was for the glory of God, as he told his disciples. So after uh, four days of his death, Jesus uh, looked at the grave. They asked them to remove the stone. And then with one word, he said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. In a period of time, Martha and Mary were burning just to know or to hear a sign from Jesus that he is coming or that he is here or that he will interfere to heal their brother. So in the due time, in a time precisely calculated by Jesus, he was there. But before that, there was a period of total silence. Let's go to another scene in the Bible, which is um, so deep. The scene of Jesus in uh, Olive's Garden in Gethsemane. Jesus was praying fervently was praying with a burning heart. He was praying from, from uh, the deepest depth of his soul. He prayed three times. He was insisting, asking his father to spare him this, this cup. 
He said three times, Abba, take away this cup from me, but your will, not my will. And God was silent. You can hear and feel the silence of that night in Gethsemane. So Jesus was praying, and this is Jesus, the Son of God. He was praying to his Father, insisting and asking him, and the Father was totally silent. No signs, no words, nothing. So, uh, and uh, you know, Jesus took up his uh, cross. He was uh, in trial, and then he walked the way of the Golgotha, to the top of the Golgotha, where he was nailed to the cross. He died on the cross, and he was buried under the total silence of his father. And we all think that God was silent. So this is another example. The Bible is full of examples where we can see clearly the work of the silence of God. We can see or feel that God was silent, whereas he was not at all. He was working. And everything was like done under his eyes. So how can we see the answer of uh, the answer to the verse of Saint Paul in Rome 8:28? The answer of this uh, for this verse in Rome 8:28 is in Rome 8:31 and 32. Saint Paul gave us this answer and he said in Rome 31 what then shall we say in response to these things, those things that are happening to us. St. Paul is continuing, saying, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And then he gave this deep answer with very deep words saying, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will be not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So, let me say it again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? So God is giving us all things with Jesus Christ. So this is how St. Paul explains how all things are working together for the people who love God, for the sake of the people of God, who love God. So because for God, the most important thing is to give us everything along with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ that was given to us by the Father as a Savior. So our Father gave us his Son. He didn't spare him. He gave us his Son and with him everything. So we will have everything with Jesus Christ. That's how all things will work together for the people who love God. Because he will give us everything along with Jesus Christ. So sometimes we, we doubt, even we, if we doubt the presence of God, 
we should never doubt his love for us because his love for us was manifested on the cross. Even if we sometimes have questions about the plan of God in our lives, maybe sometimes things that we don't understand, but we have to be sure enough to be very confident, to trust his love, never doubt the love of God. So what is happening during the silence of God? Why God is silent? First of all, when God is silent, that never means that he's not working. The silence of God doesn't mean at all that God is not working. God is always working, even though he's, he's silent. So when God is silent first, maybe he is preparing us for something. He is training us. He is working inside of us. He is silent. He has his saying no words. He is not uh, expressing clearly his will in our life. But he is preparing us for something. He is silent. He is working inside of us. He is doing something inside of us without talking. I will give you an example about uh, Joseph. Uh, Joseph's son of uh, Jacob. You know, Joseph was uh, thrown inside the well by his brothers. He didn't understand what's going on. Then he went to Egypt. He was put in jail. He never understood what's, what's happened in his life. And during all this period, God was silent. And he was preparing him for something very important. During years and years and years, Joseph was, suffer was suffering from troubles, from problems. He found him in very difficult places, in the well, and then in the jail. During that time of the silence of God, Jesus, Joseph was prepared to become the minister of Pharaoh, to have this very important position where he was serving uh, the people of God, his brothers. So in many times of our lives, during the silence of God, we may be preparing us for something ultimate, very important, to serve him, to serve his people. Second, when God is silent in our lives, he may be working on other things, preparing something else to happen. He's working on a different field that will join our plan of life somewhere. Let's take the example of uh, Zechariah and uh, Elizabeth. You know that uh, they were praying for years and years and years and decades to have a child. And God was silent. He didn't uh, give them a child from the first year or the second year, or the third year of their prayers. They kept praying for 60, 70 years. God was silent. And then, at a specific time, Elizabeth got pregnant. In the plan of God, 
because if Elizabeth was got pregnant in her first year of prayers, she will never be the mother of John the Baptist and meet Jesus in the womb of Mary. So God was silent. Elizabeth and Zechariah was were praying fervently. You know, for the woman, for a Jewish woman, it's a shame not to have a child. For the Jews, it was like a curse for sinners. And she was always praying from all her heart for years and decades to have this child. And God was silent. And then at a specific time, she got pregnant and got John the Baptist. So the silence of God and some in other places, maybe sometimes God is fighting battles for us that we, we don't see. And he's silent. He can be silent where in some places he's fighting for us in some battles, fighting for some evils who are maybe surrounding us, who are trying to have set traps for us. So God is clearing the way for us in a way that we don't see. Then let's go a bit deeper in this topic, talking about the language of silence. Something that maybe it's hard for us to understand, but it's uh, easy for us to experience. We can, we know that it's um, maybe, it, it may sound weird, but silence is, is a language. It's a language, like all other language. There is one sender and a recipient. Someone is sending words, silent words, and someone is receiving. It's a language, like all language. I'm talking now, I'm sending words, and you are receiving words. This is language I'm talking now. The language of God is silence. Language is a silence. And one of our beloved who excelled in this language is Saint Cherbil. The language that Saint Cherbil used to talk to God and to listen to God is the silence. Silence is a language that is very efficient and very clear for people who can who can understand the word of God. So everyone who can understand the word of God can understand his silence. And anyone who understands the silence of God can understand his words. And the one who doesn't understand the word of God, he will never understand his silence. And in the same way, the one who uh, never understands the silence of God, he will never understand his words. So don't think that I'm complicating things, but you can you can just experience what I'm talking. Just when you sit in front of the Eucharist for minutes, for hours, saying nothing, hearing nothing, just sitting there in front of the Eucharist, you will be experiencing a special language, which is the language of God. You will feel that something is happening inside of you. Something is, is happening to you, to your heart, to your soul, without words. 
without talking to God, without using any language, and without hearing any words, without hearing any language. But something is happening inside of you. Something is, is changing you. Something is shining inside of you and uh, talking to you very loudly and silently at the same time. Maybe it's sounding weird what I'm saying, but I invite you to go through this experience just to sit in front of the Eucharist, be silent, totally silent. Don't ask God anything. Don't say any word. Just sit there and uh, let your soul listen to the word of God. And you will see and you will feel that something is happening inside of you. That something much more powerful than words are transforming you and changing you in a new person. So during his silence, God will be digging deep inside your soul. He will be making more room for himself inside of your soul. He is enlarging his space inside of you without words, without telling you anything. There is no need to tell you anything. You will feel that the space of God inside of you is becoming wider and wider. And he taking more and more and more of your soul. You will feel his love, his silent love. You know, love is a silent language. You can never express your real feeling with words to anyone. The ones of you who are fathers or mothers, they will never be able to express their feelings their love to their children, even if they say, I love you. In words, this means nothing. It will never express the real feeling that the father or the mother have for their children. Words are very weak. Silence is very strong. Like the silence of uh, the father who was waiting for his prodigy son, who left him, who asked for his uh, share and then take his share from the inheritance of his father and went to squander it outside. The father was waiting for his son silently, without a word. And he didn't express his love for his son. He never expressed his pain when his son was away from him. He was silent. But this type of love that is unsayable, let's say, that we cannot say, that we cannot express, unexpressible, this is the true love. And this is the language of this love. You know, uh, many of the saints and the fathers of uh, the church were talking about the language of angels. You know, we cannot imagine exactly how angels communicate, which language they use. They speak in Aramaic or in Greek or in English or in, in which language? The saints, the inhabitants of the kingdom of God, angels, saints, how do they communicate? With words? Of course not. In any language, earthly language, 
Of course not. They have their own way to communicate together. This way is uh, silence. This uh, divine language, this is the language of God, silence. So when uh, we need to pray seriously and deeply, the best thing is to sit silent in the presence of God, exactly like a child in the lap of his uh, father or his mother. You know, the best place for any human being to be is in the lap of his mother, without saying any word, in silence. He can listen to the love of his mother and express his love to her, to his mother. So this is uh, the type of language that we all need to understand and to use while communicating with, with our Lord, with God. But we are a human being. What I'm saying is maybe something supernatural because uh, I can feel what you are asking now, that we need to pray. We need to ask God for, for something. And uh, yeah, this is our right. We have the right to talk to God, to ask him, to communicate with him, to put in front of him all our troubles, all our, all our uh, difficulties. To ask him for help, yeah, this is normal. And this is what we have always to do. But we have to trust the silence of God. We can always talk to God. We can always say a lot of prayers from the bottom of our hearts. But we have to trust that God is listening, he is hearing us, he is listening to us, and he will answer his way with his silence. He is working. He will never be indifferent for what we are saying. You can be sure that every word that you utter on your lips will reach the ears of God. And uh, he will never disregard any prayer. God will never disregard a request from his children. He will always, he's always here to listen to us. He's always hearing us. But he has his way in responding to our prayers. So the silence of God is love, because love is silent. It's sometimes like the silence of the teacher during the exam. You know, during uh, the whole period of uh, the sessions in school, the teacher is always teaching and speaking. But in the exam, the teacher is silent. So he teaches you the whole year, and uh, at the specific moment when you have to pass through a test, he's there watching over you, observing you, and silent because you have to pass the test. You are in an exam. So sometimes we are passing through tests, through difficulties, through things that we don't understand, but God is here. Silence like the teacher during the exam. So at the end, what do we have to do during the silence of God? To stay silent? No. First, when we feel that God is silent, is silent, the first thing we have to do is to have an examination of uh, conscience. 
we have to examine our conscience to see if some sin is obstructing our ears or the ears of our soul that we are not hearing God talking to us. You know that uh, sin prevent us from clearly communicating with, with God. So the first thing that we do when we feel that God is silent is to examine our conscience just to see if some sin, small or big, is there that is like a wall between us and God so we cannot feel him or hear him or trust him or that the sin that make us doubt that God is hearing us or not. So the first thing to do when we feel that God is not here or is not listening to us or is not talking to us is to go thoroughly through an exam, examination of our conscience. Second thing to do is to listen to the word of God in the scriptures. So when we feel that God is silent in our lives, go deeply in the scriptures and start reading the word of God given to the world. The third thing is to persist in prayers. Keep praying. So we keep praying and asking God and at the same time trusting that he is hearing. Even though if we're not receiving any clear answers or hearing any clear words. So we persist in prayers and keep talking to God and trust that he is hearing you and listening to you. So in all this case, the most important thing is to always trust God and never doubt his love. And every time that we doubt his love and we feel that he's not talking to us, just stare at the crucifix. Look at the cross, observe the cross, look at Jesus on the cross, and you can hear the silence of the cross, which is the most beautiful language that God communicates with us through it. This is the silence of the cross. You know, I will finish by this idea, which is, uh, I think, needs a lot of meditation. Jesus is the word of God. And Jesus said himself when he was among us here on earth. Jesus said himself because he is the word of God. And then when he is said, he said himself. So uh, it is finished. Everything is accomplished. So he said everything. Because everything is in Jesus. In him was everything. And since he is the word of God, he said himself as the word of God. And when everything is said, then started the silence. Because everything was said. There is no more to say. So Jesus said everything through himself. By himself. So now... All what we have to do is to listen to the word, to Jesus, in silence. Because everything is said. Now all what we have to do 
is to dive in the heart of God, to dive in the soul of God, to have this communion between our souls and the soul of God, soul of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And you know that the Holy Spirit is talking loudly inside of us and transforming us and making us a new creation. So uh, the most beautiful language that we can talk is the language of silence, the language of angels. You know, when two people have a deep love among them, between them, when two lovers are looking one to, to the other, sometimes um, I know that uh, we all passed through these beautiful periods of, uh, of love. We can use no words in communicating. It's enough for us to sit there, to look at our beloved one in the eyes and uh, stay silent for minutes or for hours without saying anything. We can say a lot of things. And this is the way God loves to communicate with us, just to, to, to sit in front of him, to stay in front of him, staring at him without saying anything. But we can say a lot of things in a short period or in long periods. So the language of uh, love is silence because no words can express the real love, especially the real love of, of God for us. So the only thing that can express the love of God for us is just to listen to his silence. As St. Sherbel was doing for years in his hermitage, can you imagine that St. Sherbel was always talking in his, in his hermitage, saying words, just uh, murmuring, saying things? St. Sherbel was silent for most of the time. Just he was silent and listening to the silence of God. And he was like transported in another world. He was in the world of God where there is no language. It was only the language of silence. So St. Sherbil was communicating with God with the language of silence, the language of angels, the language of saints, that we can feel much more than we can hear. And I'm sure that in the most important periods of our life, we felt that God was silent. But afterwards, we, we realized that in these periods, God was working loudly in our lives and he transformed deeply our lives. And that's why we are now here and uh, as we are now. So uh, at the end of this uh, short talk or long talk, I don't know how many time, how many minutes were passed now, I invite you to experience this silence of God. Just sit in front of the Eucharist Look at the Eucharist, stare at it in silence. Just say to God, I trust you. I know that you are here. I know that you are listening to me. And uh, keep silence. And if you persist in doing this, days after days after days, communicating with God in his own language, the silence, you will feel and you will realize and you will discover what kind of change is happening inside of you. You will feel that you are changing. You are growing in grace. 
that the, 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 the residence of God inside of you is greater, and larger, and wider. And the space of God inside of your soul is taking much more place just by sitting there in his lap in front of the Eucharist, talking to him in silence. And you will feel afterwards that you are deeply transformed in a new creation, just without saying any word, only in silence.